James will be in chapter 3 this morning. I think we'll be uh, on this topic of taming the tongue uh, for two weeks. Uh, there's kind of a, quite a bit to unwrap here. And so, um, but again, as I talk to my wife and, you know, I'm honest with her and open when she laughed at me again. And we're talking about being critical. Sometimes we're critical, but we don't need to say it. Apparently, I'm critical. <laughs> and I say it frequently. So we were having, a, it was this morning we were talking about something, and I said, I'm actually getting ready to teach on this, so I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it's actually in this lesson, uh, it, but uh, teaching is one of the most challenging things you'll ever do. If you're doing it honestly, I guess you could say that. Um, if you're trying to live what you're teaching, it's a challenge. Um, and so uh, every week as I prepare, it seems like the lessons are so timely for me because, um, I mean, I pray about it, and, and hopefully it's beneficial to you all. But boy, the Lord works in me uh, to get me to this point right here. And so... Um, uh, that song we just sang, Burn Within Me, A Desire for the Word. Um, I trust you have that desire. Uh, but this morning, the tongue. James chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll read down through um, verse 11, or excuse me, 12. Uh, but primarily this morning, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 5. Uh, but... We'll start in verse 1. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. <clears throat> Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. <clears throat> so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to gather together with the people of God this morning. And we just pray for your blessing uh, upon our gathering. Uh, Lord, as we assemble here, we pray that your word would be uh, <clears throat> preeminent, Lord, and that you would uh, send the Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak to hearts. And I pray that we would be doers of the word. Uh, Lord, help us to receive it, Lord, and make application in our life. And Lord, we turn it over to you. We ask that you do work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, have you ever thought much about your tongue? Um, you know, when I was a kid, people 
can always make weird shapes with their tongue, do all kinds of stupid things with that. Uh, I, don't, I guess I'm not very coordinated or talented in that area. Uh, but really, it's just a small uh, slab of muscle uh, that enables us, uh, you know, to taste, to chew, to talk, uh, to swallow. Uh, but our tongue can be hurtful, uh, even maybe more so than it is helpful. Uh, it's a very valuable thing. I, I can't imagine being without it. And uh, <clears throat> sorry, I had a an image come to my mind from an Air Force safety briefing. I won't share the details with you. Um, you can ask me later if you like gruesome stuff, but I can't. It just, I don't know why that popped in my mind. But <clears throat> listen, if you hit your thumb with a hammer, um, or perhaps you stick it in a lawnmower or a snowblower, um, uh, you stick your hand in there, or uh, you let somebody hurt your feelings, uh, that slippery, slimy thing in your mouth. Uh, can suddenly demonstrate the worst of your nature if you're not careful. Um, <clears throat> James reminds us in chapter 1, if you uh, look over a page or so on your Bible there, in chapter 1 and verse 26, if any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And so James reminds us that the tongue is a reflection of the inward spiritual condition. And so those things often that come out of us uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And it can be very revealing. Uh, I've let things slip at times, you know, in, in, in the moment, in frustration or in the busyness of something. I would say something and I think to myself, I can't believe I just said that. Well, that came from inside. That was in my heart. Um, and uh, <clears throat> Lord, help us. Uh, but because our tongues have this tremendous power to help or to hurt, we need to understand a few principles. And James gives us some things here and, uh, from this passage. And uh, we need to be unselfish about our use of the tongue. We need to be careful, use it carefully, and we need to use it beneficially. So we're going to look at those uh, three thoughts this morning. In verse 1, James begins by addressing uh, perhaps some presumptuous teachers. My brethren, be not many masters. And the word here, masters, uh, refers to instructor, instructors or teachers or schoolmasters. Um, and he's cautioning folks to not rush to be teachers. Uh, even though that's kind of a natural tendency, uh, I think for some, or for many people anyway, uh, maybe because they want a reputable position. Uh, I remember thinking when I was younger in my Christian life, boy, I could do this. You know, you see somebody preach, man, that, man that's not too bad. I'd like to do that. Uh, but when you mature, you realize it's a much more grave and serious thing than just getting up front and sharing some thoughts with some folks. It, it's... Uh, much more important than that. And he, and he says, be not many masters. Look at this, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, but the Jews in their day uh, may have thought the highest calling or the most respected was they liked to be referred to as rabbis, uh, master. Uh, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 8. We've kind of looked at these verses a little bit over the last several weeks, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 in Matthew 23 to you, uh, just as... <clears throat> uh, to provoke some thought in your mind. It says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to the disciples, saying, 
Uh, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bid heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the othermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called Rabbi for one is your master, even Christ and all ye are brethren. And so uh, we know in, in culture, right? In, in, the, in the Jewish culture and then even today, sometimes people just want to be up front to be in the spotlight. Uh, they want people to think that they're important. And uh, I think James is cautioning uh, the, the folks here that are scattered abroad uh, to be careful about that. And uh, since teachers primarily teach through verbal communication, it is vital that they control their tongues. Um, uh, sometimes teachers promote their own agendas, their own opinions. Um, uh, so strongly that it can really cause chaos or disputes or disruptions in the church. Uh, we need to be careful. And uh, <clears throat> uh, what I have found that works for me is if you stick to the Bible, you'll be okay. Um, we do, I need to be very careful about sharing my opinion too much. Uh, maybe even my experience. Um, there, there, I think there's a place for those illustrations and in, in applications and things, but uh, you can't go wrong by just teaching the Bible um, and allowing the Word of God to speak for itself. Um, but spiritual teachers always teach things, or they ought to always teach things that promote harmony and unity in the church. Nothing uh, contrary to uh, what the church uh, would have and what the church leadership would agree with. And and we see this in, in 1 Peter 3, 8. It says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one to another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, right? That should drive our teaching as well, that we would do those things that we would be of one mind, right? And, and the whole point of, of teaching is, is to exhort and encourage every one of us to have a closer walk with Christ. Um, and, to, and if we all are focused on doing that, we will all come together in a like-mindedness and in a unity uh, that only God and the Holy Spirit can orchestrate. Um, and <clears throat> uh, we just need to be committed to, to doing those things and not uh, be self-serving in our teaching. Um, and like I said, maybe this lesson was more for me uh, than any of you. Uh, but James gives us a warning here about being too ambitious for uh, a teaching position because teacher will receive the greater condemnation, it says. Uh, there's a greater judgment. Uh, we'll be held accountable at a different or a greater level uh, than those that aren't teachers. Uh, it will be more strict, if you will. For some people, uh, it is exhilarating to be the teacher of the hour. Um, I don't really find it that way. Um, I do find satisfaction uh, in teaching. I enjoy it um, because I think God has put me there. Um, uh, but I definitely didn't necessarily set out in life to, I'm going to teach. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. Uh, I would like swinging a hammer and shooting nails out of a gun, those kind of things. Uh, but the Lord works in our lives and brings us to a different place where he wants to use us. And so what I would say, anybody that desires to teach, uh, just allow God to bring you along and do it in his time. 
don't, don't be too excited in, in rushing to trying to get greater condemnation. Uh, because it, it is uh, verses like this keep me sober. Uh, keep me mindful that the things that come out of my mouth I will be held accountable for. Uh, and, and I can do uh, damage if I'm not careful. Uh, I need to ensure that I'm not teaching anything out of a personal agenda. Uh, <clears throat> teachers have a, a, a big influence. Um, Cindy loves teaching kids. Um, she really does. And you can see the impact on young kids from their teachers. You kind of see little personalities of their teachers in these kids going around the church. And uh, uh, Lord, help us to do it in a way that honors him because we're impacting the lives of souls that Christ died for and that God loves. And so um, <clears throat> there's a reason we would receive greater condemnation. If we claim sufficient knowledge of God's word to explain it to others, uh, we ought to be more accountable to teach it correctly and set an example by obeying it ourselves. Uh, hypocrisy uh, would be pretty rough to come up here and say, you all ought to be doing this if I'm not willing to do it in my own life. Um, and, and believe me, that's hard because I'm not perfect. I know you guys, I got this new suit. I'm looking sharp. <laughs> but uh, listen, the reality is I'm a sinner. And you talk to my wife and she'll let you know. Um, she sees it, right? Um, I live with her. Uh, my kids have some insight uh, into the type of person I am. And so, um, <clears throat> but Luke 12, 48 says this. Uh, and, and increased influence means increased accountability. Here we have it, Luke 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. And so teaching is a, a very serious matter. I think Breck would call it serious business. Uh, However, James is not discouraging us from becoming teachers. We know in Hebrews, uh, Paul uh, says that, you know, when you ought to be teachers, you know, he's having to go back to instruct them, right? Because they're not ready for the meat of the word. And, and so I don't think he's discouraging people from being teachers. Uh, he's just reminding them of the great responsibility and the potential problems that might accompany being a teacher. Um, <clears throat> The immature desire uh, to be in the spotlight and looked upon as a person of authority. Um, and I can, I can think of that when I was younger, uh, really even in my teen years, thinking, man, that'd be so cool. But it was just an immature thought. Just wanting to be up front and doing those things. It wasn't a desire in my heart to actually teach the Word of God. It was just the desire to be in the position. Um, and we need to be careful of that and uh, ensure our teachers aren't in a place like that. Uh, and that's not their reason for wanting to be a teacher. Um, <clears throat> we must help much immature believers grow and mature before they become teachers. Right? And uh, similar to the requirements of a bishop, uh, I would say that we find in, in 1 Timothy uh, that they're not a novice. Right? We don't want immature folks and uh, that are up leading a group of people because um, <clears throat> as I found even teaching this class uh, 
uh, people start coming to me with questions and, and things. And sometimes I may not be prepared or feel inadequately prepared. Um, but the reality is uh, teaching is a serious matter and we ought to be ready for it. And I think the way we know that we're ready for it is when God orchestrates it and puts us in that position. That doesn't mean we know everything. Uh, I don't have the Bible memorized. So there's going to be questions that people ask me that I might not be familiar with. Uh, but I am a student of the Word, and I try to get in there, and I try to study and, and learn. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, immature people may want to teach so they can be in that spotlight, but we need to be very careful that we don't put them in that position. Uh, listen, we ought to use our tongue unselfishly. Um, I don't get up here for my own benefit. Uh, honestly, I'm up here because I believe God has orchestrated that I'm here. Um, and so, listen, when we use our words, because even if you don't have a class, when you fellowship and you talk to people, you can instruct, you can teach. Uh, and we need to make sure that we're being unselfish in, in how we uh, teach people uh, and really the reality is, like I said in the beginning, if we would just stick to the Word of God and share the Word of God with them, you can't go wrong. Uh, we need to be careful to keep our opinions out of things. Uh, and we also need to use our tongues carefully. Verse 2, uh, referring to our tongues, James writes, For in many things we offend all. The word offend here means to trip or, or to err and, and is a synonym, a synonym for sin. Uh, listen, we all sin with our tongues. Uh, if we're honest, we'll, we'll have to admit that. Uh, someone once said, the quickest way to cut your own throat is with a sharp tongue. Um, how many ways can we sin with our tongues? We gossip. We say hurtful things. We lie. Uh, we deceive. And we can go on and on. And really, God forbid that we would use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 7 says this, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Uh, there was a saying in World War II, loose, ship, or loose lips sink ships. And that's still in some of our OPSEC posters on base uh, today. Uh, listen to me this morning. Loose lips can destroy lives. Uh, if we don't use our tongues wisely, uh, we can destroy lives through malicious words, through gossip. Uh, you ever heard of uh, some gossip or a false story about somebody and then all of a sudden they have this reputation for something that they never even did because somebody opened their mouth and let their tongue flap around. Uh, they want to shut their mouth and we need to be very careful about the things that we say. <clears throat> you know, anytime that we repeat the private affairs of others uh, is probably not necessary. Uh, oftentimes we want to help or we're trying to protect somebody or something, but usually we just use that as a guise to share the juice, right? That juicy gossip because it appeals to our flesh. And sometimes we feel better about ourselves because we can talk down about somebody else. And uh, the reality is that couldn't be further from the truth because your heart is filthy. Um, and just having those things in our heart, they, they reveal how depraved and wicked we are. Uh, 
Christ would never do such a thing. When you think the ugly things that we say or the things that we don't need to share about other people with someone else, all it does is damage, but we feel better. But the reality is we're not better. We're worse for it. And it ought to be an indictment on our spiritual condition and cause us uh, to confess that sin and really to, to seek God and ask His help for us to have a better attitude toward people. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if the information is true or not. If you're truly not sharing it to help or to protect, uh, it's just filthy gossip and destroys the reputations of people's lives. Um, Gossip is really one of the most frequently and harshly condemned sins in the Bible. Frequently it's brought up and, and uh, nothing has promoted it like the use of technology, I think. You know, back in the day, people with the telephone, you know, get on that telephone and tell so-and-so, but today it's social media. Um, and maybe we didn't verbalize it with our tongue, but we're typing those thoughts that are in our heart. Um, I'm a part of some Facebook groups, and uh, sometimes I just have to just get rid of it because all these people that feel like the church has done them wrong, and and they and then but they're always bringing up, you know, if a church advertises an event, they post this thing in there. Can you believe these? Well, yeah, they're they're gonna. It's the church. Just because you left doesn't mean they're gonna shut their doors. Just because you don't agree with everything, but they're being so critical. And listen, that stuff is within our hearts and we need to be careful. Uh, and uh, if you, what I've found in my experiences, if you feed that That's right. and you participate in it, it just festers and it happens more and more and more. So the easy thing to do is to bite your tongue, to take your thumbs off your phone and to put that stuff away. And it's a lot easier to have victory if you just don't participate. <laughs> Unlike sports, right? You've got to participate to win. But um, sometimes we just need to, to let the Lord do his work. I, I'm afraid many folks spend hours and hours just gossiping on social media, tearing their brothers and sisters down in Christ. And these are people that are saying they're more spiritual because they left people that were legalistic, right? We need to be careful, right? Because it's revealing their heart. And, and sometimes they're blind and they don't even see uh, the irony of what they're doing. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our tongues are very powerful. In, uh, Matthew Henry wrote this uh, as a note to Proverbs 18.21. It says, A man may do, great, may do a great deal of good or a great deal of hurt, both to others and to himself, according to the use he makes of his tongue. Many a one has... Uh, been his own death by a foul tongue or the death of others by a false tongue. And on the contrary, many a one has saved his own life or procured the comfort of it by a prudent, gentle tongue and saved the lives of others by a seasonable testimony or intercession for them. And if by our words we must be justified or condemned, death and life are, no doubt, in the power of the tongue. Uh, our tongues are very powerful. And so it's no wonder that God put our tongues in a place that we could bite it occasionally. Um, and we would do well to just shut our mouth. 
uh, oftentimes. An untamed tongue can cause us to sin in many ways. Uh, sometimes we'll say some, something and it will drive us to certain actions because we've committed ourselves to something with our tongue. We need to be careful. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So the word perfect here means mature or complete in character. The ability to control the tongue is a sure sign of spiritual maturity. A sure sign of it. Uh, Guaranteed. Uh, That means we're able to bridle our entire body, it says. If you can control that one small muscle in your mouth uh, effectively, you're in a place spiritually that the rest of the things that you in our flesh, oftentimes are challenging for us, you're probably doing better than most. Uh, and, and I found it to be so in my own life. Uh, when I refrain from corrupt communications and things, it's not because I'm good at just not doing it, it's because I've been walking closer with my God. And I'm more spiritual uh, because of uh, my walk with the Lord and, and uh, <clears throat> more mature. And hopefully we're all growing to be perfect. Right? And more complete in Christ. Uh, that's uh, uh, the main goal of, of this Christian life. And, uh, but if you can control your tongue, it's a sure sign that you're doing well with your walk with God. Uh, the word bridle instructs, uh, introduces this next analogy that the James gives here in verses 3 and 5, or 3 through 5. He talks about bits in horses' mouths and rudders and ships. And I'm not a sailor, and I've never owned a horse in my life. I've ridden horses, and I don't like it. They don't do what I want them to do. And part of that's because of my ignorance in, in how to ride horses and those things. But, um, but nonetheless, James is using these examples. So I'll try to relate to them a little bit. What the bits and rudders have in common? Uh, they take a small thing, and they control a much larger animal or ship. Uh, they can uh, give direction to something that is much larger than themselves. And uh, James uses them uh, to point out the tremendous power of our tongues. And he says, uh, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. And I've experienced, I've ridden on a horse. You know, you have the reins, the reins. I almost lost track of what those were called. And you kind of go this way, and, or you go that way, or whoa it up, or I don't know, I think you do this, and they go. I've never been a jockey and slapped them on the, the hindquarters, but um, <clears throat> listen, but that small thing in the horse's mouth controls that several hundred pound animal. Uh, and it's pretty amazing when you think about it. And horses can do, uh, they can be an amazing tool if they're controlled. Um, uh, if they're not under control, it's, you know, a half-ton animal that can be very destructive. Uh, and somebody that's been kicked by a horse understands that intimately. Um, I saw somebody get kicked by a horse one time. It was not pleasant. Uh, but we put bits in their mouths, and we can control the rest of their bodies. Uh, <clears throat> and James Watt came up with the, the idea of the horsepower back when steam engines were coming along, and in the mines primarily. Uh, the big question was, okay, how many horses will this engine replace? And so there's this equation, this big math thing that is beyond me. 
because I'm not really good at math. But um, I'm serious. I looked it up. There's a pretty sweet equation on it. And then, so how much um, <clears throat> labor a horse can do within an hour, I think it was, and then how much weight a horse can lift in a four-hour period because these were the requirements to do things in the mine. And so he based all that on, and that's where we get horsepower today. Uh, but horses are, are an amazing animal that can be used uh, greatly if they're in control. Uh, but the nature of a horse is to run away. Uh, I've experienced that. And uh, <clears throat> in the same way, uh, if you have control of your tongue, you have control of your entire body. Um, I, I believe that. Psalms 32.9 says this, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. And so there, I looked at some commentary here, and, and there are some different you know, uh, thoughts on exactly what he means when it says come unto thee. But um, what I thought is, boy, maybe we should put muzzles on people at church. I mean, we, you know, the horse and the mule, we put bits in their mouth and we can control them. And, but I didn't, I didn't think it would be acceptable if everybody that walked through the door, oh, here's your muzzle for the service today so you don't say anything stupid. Uh, we probably can't do that. Um, but that nature of the horse is to run away and the nature of the mule is to not move at all. You guys have all seen a stubborn mule. Doesn't want to do anything. The, uh, listen, the Lord doesn't want to, to handle us like dumb animals. Uh, we don't need muzzles here at the church. Uh, he does not want to have to bridle our tongues, necessarily. Um, he wants us to present our tongues willingly and lovingly to him as a living sacrifice. That every part of our body, every aspect of us, to include our tongue, would be laid on the altar for him to use as he sees fit. Um, and uh, therefore, we know in Ephesians that we ought to let no corrupt communication out of our mouth. And so part of it is on us to control ourselves, to, to bridle ourselves to some extent. And uh, the word corrupt means rotten, foul, or worthless. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If we would just take our speech and run it through this verse of Scripture before we speak, you can't go wrong. Is this good and edifying to the hearer? If it is not, it is corrupt, it's foul, and worthless, I don't need to say it. Uh, we need to be careful with what we say. Uh, like a horse without a bridle, an untamed tongue means our entire life is out of control. Uh, and you know, you've, we've all been around somebody that at a moment just, oh, it's like they lose their mind and their tongue just starts flapping. And it's like you can't believe what's coming out of that thing. And, uh, but their whole, their whole body, their whole life is out of control. And it's just being demonstrated at that moment with their tongue. <clears throat> and of course, to further illustrate this, he says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Uh, it amazes me that the slight move of the helm or the rudder 
and how it can direct a ship and how it can uh, control the course of that ship. And uh, I, I think when you add that phrase, fierce winds, it adds another dimension. So you have this small helm that obviously in a calm sea, no problems. You turn that thing wherever you want the ship to go, it's going to go. But it says even in fierce winds. So that would indicate to me that even in difficult circumstances, if the rudder can be controlled by the helmsman, then the ship will stay on course. So even when things are difficult in a conversation, in a discussion, when we're around people, when things are happening that maybe we disagree with, we don't like, it angers us. If we could just control our tongue, we could navigate some fierce winds or some difficult times and stay on course. Listen, stay right with our God by not fouling things up with our tongue, not committing sin with our mouths. Uh, if we can control our tongues of a group of people uh, in a conversation when it takes a sinful course, uh, when we are tempted to gossip or maybe times of anger, we can maintain control of our whole bodies. Um, there have been times I've said something and it forced me to do something physical because I committed myself to something, even out of anger. You say something stupid, now you're committed, I'm doing this. Even if it's a foolish. Uh, but we need to be careful. <clears throat> to control our tongues it's in difficult circumstances, we need to practice Psalm 39. Look at verse 1 in Psalm 39. I said I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my mouth. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Even in difficult circumstances, you're going to keep that thing shut. If you don't open your mouth, your tongue is a lot less effective. Right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what I'm saying. I'm just mumbling. A tight, conscious bridle on the little muscle in your mouth. My mom and grandmother used to always say this, and I know you guys have heard it. If you can't say something good about somebody, don't say anything at all. Listen, that's something that I learned as a, a wee lad, as they say, as a kid. And I would have saved myself a lot of trouble if I would have heeded that advice from my grandmother and my mother. But because at times I would open my mouth and let my tongue start flapping, it would get me in trouble. We need to be careful about the things that we say. We're going to draw this to a close here. Try for a week. And this is where Cindy was chuckling at me. Uh, try to go a week without saying anything critical or bad about anyone. Commit to not, just not being critical. Not say anything negative. Do it for a week. Do it for a month. Uh, then you're on your way to taming your tongue. This is how you muzzle your mouth. Uh, everything that we think does not need to be said. Uh, that's for sure. A helmsman can direct the entire ship and keep it on safe course where they can be careless and wreck it in rocky waters. Just the same, we can make careless statements that wreck reputations, ruin friendships, damage marriages, uh, and destroy our Christian witness because of one careless word or statement. Jesus reminds us of the... 
the tremendous power of the tongue and the gravity of how we use it as we close. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So don't think that those things that you say are not being accounted for. The Lord's keeping track of that. He knows. But James sums it up in in just the the very first part of of verse 5. It says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things, just like the small bit in the horse's mouth or a small rudder on a ship. Uh, The little tongue boasts great things. Uh, I think we can understand that there are beneficial things that the tongue can do. Just as the the sins of the tongue can be enumerated, and we kind of talked about that a little bit this morning, so can the benefits. The tongue can encourage, comfort, build up. It can teach God's word. It can compliment. Uh, It can express love. It can share the gospel. So your tongue has tremendous power for good and evil. You decide every day how it's used. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for this Sunday school hour. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to bridle our tongue. And Lord, my prayer really is that we would be filled with the Spirit, Lord, in walking with you and that you would have control in our lives. And Lord, that we would be very careful in how we use our tongue and that we would only use it to edify. And Lord, now we pray for your blessing on the service to follow. We ask that you would speak to hearts only as you can, Lord, that you would save the lost and strengthen believers this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.